Good morning and happy Pentecost Sunday. If you are not familiar with this holiday and the church calendar, let me explain to you what it is. Pentecost is the birthday of the Christian church. And speaking of birthdays, I have to mention that tomorrow is Barry's birthday and he will be 75 years old. And the next day is Annabelle's birthday and she will be two. But getting back to the Christian church's birthday, it's when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to empower his followers to be his witnesses and bring the good news of eternal life to those in their community and to the ends of the earth. And even though we observe this monumental holiday once per year, it would be wrong to say that Pentecost just happened once a long time ago. There are multiple Pentecosts, multiple times when the Spirit is poured out and amazing things have happened. Think about when Philip baptized the Ethiopian eunuch, or Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus, or Peter's conversion to a more universal understanding of Christianity in his encounter with Cornelius. Each of these stories represents an extension and repetition of the power of the Holy Spirit that starts at Pentecost, but continues throughout the history of the Christian church. There are a variety of events in the church's history that could be named as times of Pentecost. The flourishing of the monastic communities, which produced some of the most profound writings and thoughts on Christianity in the Middle Ages. The Reformation, the revivals of the first and second great awakenings in North America are just a few examples. The church, it's experienced many rebirths. It's had a fresh pouring out of the Holy Spirit in times when we've let it get stale. I believe the church is in such a time right now. We are experiencing a modern day Pentecost. I'll elaborate as we go into our text. <clears throat> Verses 1 through 6, the context for this is that Jesus has ascended to heaven, which is what we heard from Pastor Paul last week. He gave instructions to his disciples after being with them for 40 days after his resurrection that they were to return to Jerusalem and wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. I can't help but think that these followers, as they watched Jesus ascend to heaven, must have felt many of the emotions and things that we're feeling right now. Anxious, alone, perhaps confused, and then they were told to wait. Verse 1 says that in the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Well, they would have been celebrating the Jewish festival of the first fruits, which took place 50 days after uh, Passover. This means that they would have been waiting and quarantining, if you will, for 10 days now. It's thought that in those 10 days, they would have been processing all that they had experienced and that God would use that time without distractions to get them to a place of unity and readiness for this new normal that would be the church. 
what they were about to experience, it was completely outside the realm of anything they could possibly imagine. And it is in this context that the spirit roars in. Up until this point, the spirit has been poured out, but it had not indwelt believers. After waiting for this gift of the spirit to come in a way that only a Hollywood special effects technician could produce with flames and roaring sounds, that is where we see these people in the upper room all of a sudden the Spirit lands on them. A quote I once saw said, once the Spirit comes, the return to normalcy is no longer an option. And that certainly was the case on this day. As this crazy scene unfolds, everyone around came running to see what was happening. And what they found was that these disciples were speaking in languages that were native to all these other people. And we see in verses 7 through 13, there is this question that they're asking, how can this be? Both Jews and converts to Judaism were present. And there were two groups here witnessing this event. There was one group that said, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. But there was another group, another group of people who thought these disciples were drunk. They didn't understand what was being said. So how could one group clearly understand and another group not? How can that be? Well, John 16, 13 tells us that one of the roles of the Spirit is to guide us into all truth. So there are people who want to know the truth. And there are others who count it as nonsense. Truth requires a response. Another role of the Spirit is convicting us of our sin. Not believing the truth means you can just remain as you are. We read that many people Jesus talked to, they rejected his words. Truth can make us very uncomfortable. We either choose to hear the wonderful things that God has done, like that first group, or we choose not to recognize his mighty works. And that was the second group. You see, the Holy Spirit is a gift, and some are just not ready to receive it. Moving on to verses 14 to 16, we see that Peter steps up quickly to bring clarity and order to this chaos. Nobody's drunk, he says. But instead, the words of the prophet Joel are being fulfilled. And so Peter references Joel's oracle with a few alterations to adapt the prophet's old words for a new time in verses 17 to 21. You see, he's answering their question, what does all this mean? He says that God's spirit is now being poured out widely across social boundaries. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young and old will see visions and dream dreams. Men and women alike. All are included in this outpouring of the Spirit. Something new is happening here. I'm reminded of the verse in Isaiah 43:19 that has been coming to my mind a lot lately. 
For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway in the wilderness. I will create rivers in the wasteland. As I said earlier, I believe that we are witnessing another time of Pentecost. Right now, we are in a time of seclusion, sheltering, absent from our usual distractions. In order, I believe, to be prepared to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal the new thing that God is doing in us and the Universal Church. It is in this quarantine time. Much like the disciples experienced, that we are being prepared to see and join God in this new rebirth of the church. The Western Church—it's taken a wrong turn. I have felt an uneasiness for some time now by about what we have made church to be. When did we decide that bigger was better? That performance and charisma was more important than character. We are a consumer-driven church, the universal church, instead of discipleship-driven. And in this new normal, we need to move our focus on how many people come to how many people engage their faith. This book here, Letters to a Church. Put words to the uneasiness that I have felt for a long time. If God had His way, what would church look like? This is by Francis Chan, and he says we've strayed so far from what God calls church. We all know it. We know that what we're experiencing is radically different from what the church did in Scripture. For decades, church leaders like myself. Have lost sight of the inherent mystery of the church. We have trained people sitting in the pews to become addicted to lesser things. It's time for a change. As I said earlier, we are in a time of change, right? We have to take the time to wait, just like those disciples did, and focus on who we are in Christ. And stop putting our efforts into what we do for Christ. You see, once we focus on being with Him, we will have clarity on what we are to do for Him. Waiting's not easy, is it? But it is essential for hearing from the Holy Spirit. A Bible teacher once said to me, "Don't waste the suffering," meaning don't waste the opportunity to draw closer to God in this time. I'm changing it to. Don't waste the quarantine. If we continue to just ask the question, "When can we reopen? When can we go back to the way things were?" we will miss the new thing that God wants our church and all churches to experience when we can gather. I have no idea what's ahead, and in some ways, I don't want to know. Because I might not like it, church might not look like what I'm used to, or what I prefer. But as one of your pastors, I am taking this message very personally. God has convicted me of my own spiritual staleness. 
And I've been given a gift of recalibrating my spiritual life by spending more time with being with Jesus. Waiting feels like we aren't doing anything at all, doesn't it? But as we study leaders in the Bible, a time of waiting and seclusion were exactly what God used to prepare them for a new work of the Holy Spirit. I would encourage you to think about what new thing God might be preparing you and our church to do. My prayer is that we all would embrace this time, not try to just get through it, and allow the Holy Spirit to move in new ways, ways we never could have imagined.